<sighs> Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. Uh, I'm, I'm Peter Thompson. I'm here with my three other hosts, Adi, Bulubasis, Lambrosirmos, Kostalevo, Yanis. We've got Antonio from Elas Football here. He's uh, He's got quite the smile on his face. We've just finished watching uh, Olympiakos, Panathinaikos, our first loss in the Super League in Greece this year. And uh, it was... Uh, you hate to see it. You you hate to see it. Antoni's here. He's gonna he's gonna talk his talk. I assume um, our mentions are filling up as we speak. It's it's all very lovely. Antonio, I'll I'll just uh, let you get just get started. How are you doing? How how are you feeling? Oh, I'm cloud nine, boys. Silogos megalos, baby. What? How nice? How nice <laughs> to give Olympiacos their first loss as a Panathinaikos fan. What, what a day it was. I, I know you boys are feeling sad, but I'm quite happy. Well, well, we, we understand that, you know, we, uh, we understand you're happy, obviously. We're going we're gonna to get into the game. We've got pretty much just post-game content for the, for the game today, so we'll break it down. Obviously, no analytics yet, but we'll talk about what we saw, and, uh, you know, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll break it down player by player and see what this means for us. Before we do, though, uh, a couple quick housekeeping items to get into. We have one special guest on the schedule currently, and that is the PSV podcast. Uh, we will be joined by one of their correspondents on the episode that airs Thursday, February 17th. So that's the morning of the first leg of the Europa League round of 32 versus PSV. So we will have intense pregame coverage, go into some more analytics, build on some stuff that we discussed with Tice Verhart last week. If you want to check out that episode, if you're interested in more PSV content, that is episode 52 right before this one. Additionally, I'd like to say thank you again to our sponsor, Piraeus International Incorporated. Piraeus International has been importing and exporting cargo for companies and individuals for over 40 years. They can assist you in importing olive oil, marble, or any other goodies from Greece. They can also assist in exporting, whether you have one box or a full household of items that need to be sent over. Check them out at www.piraeusintl.com and give them a call at 410-675-4696. The only real news for this week is Jan Vila has picked up a minor injury. Uh, he was out today, although I think he was in the, the squad, but not in the bench. Uh, so that implies that it's a minor injury. Hopefully we will be able to see him against PSV in the midweek. Also, if you were keeping up with Olympiacos on social media, you'll know that they signed many, many extensions for a lot of the first team players. Some of these were sort of known in the summer and then made official this winter. But to give you the rundown, we were looking at 10 players that were extended. Uh, Andrusos until 2023. Cisse, who is of course on loan until 2024. Kostas Tolakis, the young goalkeeper until 2024. Mari Kamara until 2024, Ba until 2024, Lazar until 2024, Rusai 2024, El Arabi until 2022, Masuras 2024, and Semedo 2023. I think that's all of them. Correct me if I'm wrong. But obviously, these extensions don't mean that the players are going to be guaranteed to stay. But to be able to tie down some of these guys to contracts is really important because it's going to increase their transfer value if we do want to sell them. So good on the club for getting these extensions nailed down. And also nice to see some of the young Greek players, Andrutsos, Tsolakis, Rusai, 
getting extensions at the club as well, showing that Olympiacos believes in them long-term. Now that that's out of the way, I suppose we should get into the game here. 2-1 victory for Panathinaikos. Pretty early goal for Mauricio. Uh, unmarked free header. Nothing Saw could do about it in the back of the net. And then in the second half, Panathinaikos go up 2-0. Um, I forget the player's name. It was one of the new signings for Panathinaikos. Uh, but Sakari. he scores. That's the one, yeah. And so he scores... It looks all looks lost. We bring on Masuras and Kuipers. Things start to look a little better. We get a goal off a corner through El Arabi, a mess in front of the box, and it gets in the back of the net. But that is not enough, and the final score ends 2-1. Ba actually, I think, gets sent off at the end of the game. Lambro, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you first for your for your take on the game. Um, just just let it rip. We'll see where it goes. Uh, okay. Okay, we can do that, can we? Um, so I want to start off by kind of giving people a background of what I've been reading, which before the game, which was kind of new for me from a lot of Olympiacos fans we follow, a lot of Gate 7 people actually we follow and know. And there was this debate of whether we rest players and rotate players for Sunday with Eindhoven. And this discussion is happening more and more regarding this derby and it's discussions we've had now people are coming back telling us Panathinaikos, blah 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 Panathinaikos. but you really forget how big this game these games are when you don't win them if that makes sense and there was a huge debate on twitter yesterday with people honestly arguing shall we do rotation and i was one of them who thought we should do rotation i didn't care so much about this game and then the game happened and I was pissed. I, I'm, I'm going to be real with you guys. I was really mad. And my anger started with Tiago Silva and Hassan. And I, I described this problem with Tiago Silva, that he doesn't know how to defend very well and that he's, I don't have much faith in him and I don't think he's Olympiacos. But that's another conversation. Hassan, I just want to say to you people, I am tired of it. Hassan, Pekdara, the Pharaoh... Give me a break. How many years have we done this now? Three years have we done this? Of Hassan not scoring in big games? He scores one header in Marseille and he's uh, the best player ever. I, he's a light pole. He doesn't, he can't use his feet. He can't hold up. He can't pass. He, he can't turn. He can't do anything. He can score a tap in. He can score a header. Good for him. But Hassan is level for Pasianina, Ergotelis, this, these teams. He's not for the derbies, Hassan. You understand? And he, how many times are we going to do this? I just don't get it. How many times is Hassan going to score against Ergotelis and everyone says Hassan is the freaking player. He starts a big game and we lose because he sucks. Like, I, I don't know how many times we're going to have to have this conversation. Hassan is mediocre and he's not good enough for big games. That's my opinion. He should not have started. If anything, Kuyper starts. Kuypers came in anyway way too long going on there, Peter. Just take it away from me. Well, I think one thing that, of course, you know, the discussion has to be is obviously we're all very upset and we've talked about it on Twitter. Like Chuck was talking to us, Chuck changing his profile picture to a Panathinaikos logo in honor of them winning. But um, obviously, Olympiakos, Panathinaikos, biggest rivalry in football. Like these games mean so much, even without fans in the stands, these games mean so much. But you know, in terms of the competition, uh, Olympiacos have all but mathematically clinched the Super League. 
Uh, and this game hurts to lose. You know, if there's anyone we don't want to lose to in the league, it's Panathinaikos. But we did do a little bit of rotation. You know, Costas Fortunis came off uh, in, in the second half. And we were upset because we needed Fortunis' creativity at that point in the game. And when he came off, there was a bit of a lull where we really couldn't get any shots on goal. But at the end of the day, this was, you know, this was a, a move to prepare him for Thursday against PSV. And that's a game that really means, you know, for the long view of the club, it means more if we win that game against PSV. And so hopefully um, this, this sort of gets the players, wakes them up and, and uh, inspires a good victory on Thursday. And, uh, you know, that can be the good that comes out of this. It's just obviously very disappointing now. I agree with you about Hassan and Ambro, but you know, um, we kind of knew this, like he, we need to play a certain way. We need to get a lot of crosses in. And then if we don't do that, then, you know, he's pretty useless. You guys are clearly a lot more upset about it than I am. I mean, look, always want to beat the rivals. Don't get me wrong, but in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't severely impact our title chances. The big fish is still Wednesday. Let's be honest. PSV. That's the big fish we're looking at. This game was always going to be the Derby and it was going to be a tough game in that respect. But losing this game doesn't bother me as much as it would have if this, if the kind of the title race was still in contention, it's a loss and it's annoying because you always want to win, especially against your rivals, but it's not something that it's not something that's ruining my day, so to speak. I have, to, I just have to be honest there because it is, it is what it is. We're still, even after the win, we're still 14 points up, I think, in the table. I think that sounds right. 14 points up. We're probably still going to clinch the title before the playoffs start. And we're focusing pretty much wholly on, right now, Europa League. So that's, that's, how, that's how it is for me. You know, and I've, we've also discovered a whole bunch of new Panathinaikos fans that we didn't know existed. They're popping out from all the corners on social media right now, coming at us. I guess they're expecting us to be super upset about this. But in the end, it is what it is. I think, and Adoni will clarify this as well, I think this game meant more for Panathinaikos fans, especially as they go to clinch that second spot and fight for second place in the league, than it was for us. This game for us was relatively meaningless as far as the table goes, but it's still annoying because you want to beat your rivals. I think at the end of the day, all we lost in this game is the bragging rights at the end. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on this, uh, Ari. I'm, I mean, obviously, you're always disappointed to, leave, to lose against Panathinaikos, and you always go into this game wanting to win. Um, but I think you guys alluded to pretty much everything that needs to be said. I think a choice was made clearly before the game that we have the Panathinaikos game on the one hand and the PSV game coming midweek and the choice was made to rest players um, the Panathinaikos coach even alluded to that in his post-match commentary um, that yeah supposedly we we fielded a quote-unquote weakened side but uh, but okay even even without Fortunis in for the largest part of the second half, even without El Arabi starting, I think if you look at the match stats, we created chances 
And if you don't put them away, then then this is what happens. It's 2-0. Balanthanaigos scored in the fifth minute. Um, and then, you know, they scored the goals in the right moments of the game to be able to, to take the win. And we had chance upon chance upon chance. The Andrutos miss, the Masuras miss, uh, the Hassan dink with his right foot. I'm sure that there, there were others, but... You know, those are the moments in the game when you need to score and we didn't and and that's it. Okay, congrats to Panathinaikos. Um, they have now, I think, what is it, five wins out of six? So that's good for the league, I think, as well. It means when they come up and play against teams like Aig, Baug, you know, it's more more competition for, for second place. And um, I also think the league is all but mathematically done. But, uh, but yeah, no... Good, uh, good for Panathinaikos. Um, and now, like I said earlier, it's all about the PSV game. And if we go and win that convincingly, I don't think anyone will, will remember what happened today. Antonio, alluding to uh, what Adi and Costa were saying about how this game means more for Panathinaikos than it does for us, you know, uh, how would you gauge the team's uh, form and their chances and, um, and where you think they'll finish, given that right now, I think they're two points behind Dadis for second and one point ahead of Paukanaik, albeit Paukanaik play tomorrow uh, against Yanina and Narisa or something like that, so they could very well win. But, uh, you know, those those four teams are in very tight contention for, for those two through five places. And with, uh, you know, we're not getting five teams in Europe anymore, so these spots mean even more. So uh, what, what are you uh, thinking? Are you feeling optimistic given the team's recent results or... or you know, are you worried? Yeah, well, you know, this is now nine games undefeated for Panathinaikos. We're undefeated in 2021. Uh, and I was saying, you know, the past couple of weeks that this was going to be the game, you know, the game against Olympiacos that was really going to test Panathinaikos and see where this team truly lies. Because the last few weeks, we've been getting results, but the performances haven't really been convincing. Um, and I think today this win meant a lot more to Panathinaikos than it would have meant for Olympiacos because I got Ari alluded to the titles pretty much. I mean, Olympiacos is going to win the title. This victory for Panathinaikos, I think, is going to set us towards finishing second place and getting a European spot. And I think it's going to help us also in the cup. Uh, realistically, I mean, the team finally has an identity. Uh, you know, earlier when I had come on here, you know, in the first half of the season, the team was struggling to have an identity. And now it's more of a, a defensively solid unit. You know, everybody kind of knows their place. Everybody works hard. Everybody knows that their spot isn't guaranteed, so they work hard for it. What I saw out there today was pretty good. You know, Olympiacos missed some some classic chances, especially that Hassan Dink. Oh, my goodness, I thought that was going in. But, uh, yeah, Panathinaikos showed that they can compete. I think they're going to finish second place. After what I saw today, I think we're going to finish strong. At least they have the heart, too. You know, yeah. especially in the first 15 minutes, Panathinaikos clearly wanted the game more. I was getting annoyed with the players' lack of urgency and I guess the lack of pace. And I know it's tough. As a coach, you have to try and motivate these guys, especially the foreigners that don't value or maybe understand the history behind the Derby and it doesn't resonate with them internally. It's tough to motivate the players when the league is all but secured and they're, the foreigners are focusing on Europe 
because that's where they're going to showcase themselves on the bigger stage to go to bigger and better things. It's tough. And it sucks because obviously you want the players to take it all seriously and to come out the gate running. But unfortunately, the reality is they don't always. And in the beginning, we saw that there were a couple of player, a couple of players, not and not just the foreigners, some of the Greeks too, that didn't start off so well. Adruzos struggled in the beginning. Vrusai especially struggled in the beginning. Now everybody grew into the game later on, but man, I mean, not connecting a pass, just making really bad decisions with the ball at their feet. You know, having a guy open right 15 meters ahead of them and instead trying to just dribble into somebody, holding it too long, too much of that. Tiago Silva, frustrating because we've seen games where he can be on the ball and be the backbone of an offense going forward, doing great, taking players on. And today, just he just would disappear, and he didn't have that spark. Th there were just a lot of frustrating things to get going, but the, t the team started to grow into the game. And I wanted to know how you guys thought for the set going into the second half with the substitutes, the substitutions. I wouldn't have changed anything. I would have kept the same team on there because towards the end of the first half, they started to get things moving. Opportunities were being created. I thought we should have let them at least run out for the first 10 minutes or so, 10, 15 minutes even, see what happened, then make changes. But obviously at halftime, we made a change. Then another came, change came about 10 minutes after that. I wanted to know what you guys thought about the halftime substitutions. So at the time, as we were leading into the first half, I, I will admit that we did start playing a lot better. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to say we should have scored, but it seemed like we were we were playing a very positive game and we were getting we were getting in the box, we were getting chances, we were looking threatening, we were starting to possess more of the ball. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have been mad if we came out with no changes. I think the only one that I was really calling for at halftime was to bring Hassan off and replace him with El Arabi. But um, out of your, you know, I think you had said like it's, you know, Hassan can be more useful if we if we get him the right service. And that's obviously true as well. Like if we can get wide in those wide areas, get crosses in, start playing for set pieces where we can get balls on his head, like then he becomes more useful. But I think even then I kind of still wanted to see El Arabi on just straight for Hassan. But, um, you know, I... I we got Valbuena instead uh, for for Vrusai, I think, if I recall correctly. And, you know, Vrusai didn't have the best game, but I was still a bit surprised to, to see that change. Um, Valbuena and Fortunis, sometimes they, they sort of uh, try to use the same role. And so I was interested to see how they would play together. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think um, Valbuena had a solid game. Although in the second half, we sort of got off to a rough start with those changes. We weren't really uh, asserting ourselves as much as we were before the halftime break. So it's hard to say. I think I think I might have waited a little bit in retrospect, to be honest with you. I think the changes are indicative of what we might see on uh, during the PSV game, actually. Because I think definitely Fortunis was taken off to, to rest for that game. And I will be pissed mega pissed if he doesn't start against PSV. Um, likewise, I thought Vrusai was, yeah, he maybe 
end product, some decision-making wasn't great in the first half, but he was getting in the box. He was making moves off the ball. He was our most mobile player in the final third, I thought. So I was a bit surprised to see him come off. But again, I think given his experience in the Dutch league, he's a prime candidate to start against PSV. Besides that, I think I, you know, to an extent, agree with you, Ari. I wouldn't have changed it at the beginning of the second half because the team looked settled the last 10, 15 minutes of the first half and we could have gone out. Uh, but making the substitution, I felt that we lost 10, 15 minutes at the beginning of the second because we had to regroup and different formation. And then we were kind of uh, one-sided in the second half. There was a lot of play going down the left-hand side. Uh, Rebchuk and, and Valbuena involved a lot. And uh, we barely saw the ball go down the right-hand side to, to Andrutos in the second half. But anyway, all in all, I think, like I said earlier, the decision was made to prioritise the game against, against PSV. An interesting thing, Costa, you just mentioned about the team being very left-sided in the second half. I thought the team was more, much more right-sided in the first half before we took Vrusai off, which like there were points where we had attacks going with Fortunis, Vrusai, and Andruzos all together on the right side of the pitch, and it was like really overloading over there. Anyway, just uh, a slight comment, but interesting to see um, Martins kind of you know, not that he was deliberately trying to adjust that, but, you know, he changes that and then we see the left side. Um, and, you know, Rebchuk, I think, had a had a pretty solid game as well on, on both sides. Not perfect, but pretty solid uh, going at the right back for Panathinaikos. So maybe that was that was sort of in mind uh, when he made that change as well. Adoni, I'm curious, as a Panathinaikos supporter, when you saw the change at halftime, when Vrusai came off, you know, struggled in the beginning with the ball at his feet, but as Costa mentioned, moving around a lot, creating space, getting into the right positions. Were you surprised to see Olympiacos making a change when things started to go more our way towards the end of the first half? Uh, you know, actually, I noticed once Olympiacos made the changes, I felt like Panathinaikos started struggling a little bit. I felt like Olympiacos was taking even firmer control of the game uh, because they were, they had, I guess it was the fresher legs, I'm not sure, but it looked like they were just tiring out Panathinaikos' midfield. I mean, in the first half, I felt like Panathinaikos really clogged up the middle. And like you guys were saying, they kept going down the right flank and attacking us through there. Uh, and then once those changes came in, I got a little bit worried because then Panathinaikos, you know, Bologna took a little a little while to to make some substitutions for us. Um, but yeah, one, once we made our, our substitutions, I think it kind of leveled the playing field. But Olympiacos, towards the end of the game, you know, their, their kind of psychology picked up, especially after that goal. I wonder if maybe that was kind of on purpose. It seemed like after you guys scored the first goal, especially towards the end of the half and then the second half, to me it felt like I didn't see Panathinaikos pressing as much because early on in the, in the first half especially, I mean, the midfielders were up, the wingers were up, pressing on our defense when the ball was getting dropped or on restarts. And in the second half, I didn't see as much of that. So I wondered if because you have the lead, maybe Bologna decided, listen, you know what, let's defend the lead, bring them in, and then see if we can catch them on the counter. Because there were a couple times, a couple incidences. You know, I know the field was a little bit slippery where Ruben Semedo and Madi, uh, a couple of guys would just slip. And, you know, of course, the Panathinaikos player is not too far away, would go take the ball or a, a bad slip on a bad pass, and then here we go with a counter. Honestly, if not for the tracking back of guys like Madi and 
to an extent, Bukalakis, I mean, we probably could have copped another goal, a goal off of a dangerous counter. Madi's tracking back was incredible. Yeah, uh, that, that's the thing that I was going to say as well. But I think, of course, I know it's early on before we scored the goal, we were pressing, pressing, pressing. And then, you know, as soon as we scored, I, I had written a blog post for Elas Footy earlier in the week saying that this is what I was thinking Panathinaikos was going to go with. As soon as we scored the goal, shut up shop, sit all the way back. Um, and, you know, when, when Semedo slipped, you know, in particular, if we had more guys up, we could have capitalized on that. And that's what I was thinking, you know. I was thinking maybe we should have gone up 1-0, 2-0 maybe, get a second goal and then maybe shut down shop. But... Uh, I don't know. What a comedy of errors that led to the first goal, though. I mean, Andrutos gets caught like a step behind the uh, the winger, and he lunges and he misses the ball. He's then lost a step or two to try and keep up with the attacker. The attacker has enough time to pick his head up and pick out a, you know, a runner on the second post. He delivers it. And Mauricio has time to drink a coffee and smoke a cigarette to finish that. I mean, what the hell? Who the hell was marking Mauricio? So Socrates is picking up the, I think, the striker. Oleg is kind of in no man's land. And none of the midfielders, not Kamara, not Buhalakis. Okay, forget about Thiago Silva. I don't expect him to track back. But, but really, who the hell was marking Mauricio? For me, he's one of the best midfielders in the league, guys. I think it's a great pickup for Panathinaikos. I think he had, a, he had another nasty injury before at Balk, and that's why he was on the market for so long. But really, for me, one of the best midfielders in the league. How the hell is he unmarked? Un unbelievable. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Gustav, because I definitely wanted to dissect that first goal. There was a, For me, there was a clear miscommunication between Socrates and Oleg. First of all, Oleg got pinched way, way too centrally. He never should have been that far in. It's his job to make sure he's watching the runner. At the same time, Socrates, the center back, should be calling that kind of stuff out. I mean, I know... Every team I played for, the center backs were the ones usually directing and trying to make sure everybody was in position. And, uh, you know, maybe we could say, you know, he hasn't spent enough time with the team. He hasn't developed that, that chemistry or that communication. But there was a clear miscommunication. And for Madi, I, if anybody can be excused, I think it would be the midfielder because he's the one that's tracking back. But at the same time, when he's tracking back, he has more vision of, of the runs coming in on the right and the left. It's not like they're behind him like it was for Oleg and Socrates. So he also should have seen that. I, I would expect at the beginning of the game, the coach to say, somebody pick that guy up and just follow him all game. That, that's what I'm trying to say. If I'm a midfielder, okay, I, I play in midfield. I know that guy is their most dangerous midfielder. So I'm going to stick to that guy all game. I'm going to be kicking at his heels all game. I don't let him out of my sight. And that's what I can't understand. Point, your point taken about the miscommunication. But again, I would expect a, a midfielder to be tracking that. Yeah, so I guess uh, we can move on to Thiago Silva. Do you guys want to talk about that? I, I don't even know if we want to talk about that because I don't think he's good enough for the club. I honestly don't think... He's the level of Olympiacos. And another player like Hassan looks perfectly good against Pasianinas of the world. And then he comes up in a big game and it's nothing. So I just, I, I don't know. 
I I don't know how he did. He he played ninety minutes today. I guess that's we got to say that's rotation, right? Because he did not deserve ninety minutes today. I mean, I I don't mean to change the subject, but does anybody want to talk about that Masuras miss at the end of the game? Oh God, there's too much stuff to talk I, about. I, I, I was saying that uh, Fedfadzidis, that the Fedfadzidis miss against Ayek ended his career. Yeah, 100%. that's today. This oh, today, yeah. I mean, it, it's not. You know, the league wasn't on the line, and we weren't close. You know, to the between first and second. But honestly, that miss today, for me, is a hundred times worse. He's on 10, 15 minutes. He's got fresh legs. He's got time. And he hits that like a P-U-S-S-Y. It's like, what the hell are you doing? You're point blank in front of the keeper and you just pull some weak shot onto the keeper. He wasn't the only one. I mean, we were hitting birds left and right with shots <laughs> that were maybe 10 meters in front of goal. God, Andruzos, that one that Andruzos had in like, I think it was either shortly after or shortly before the second goal. Before. Like, before went just over like that was a good opportunity man he had nobody in front of him like that's that's like a training that's a training shot like you just got to get it on target and and not you know right at the keeper and oh man that one hurt and yeah masura's like my god what is you're a professional attacker a professional footballer like oh my goodness man i know we've seen masura's do this type of stuff before but like I'd rather him sky it over the bar than just like, he basically just rolled it to the keeper, like catching practice, you know, it was just like, what is going on in, in such a dire time? Like you just, you just fire it in the top corner, like get it out, get it away from the keeper, get it above him. And it just was, oh, it was a poor attempt. Very poor, but these things happen. You miss chances, you know, we lost the game. It's done, but it's just like, oh man, this is, this is what is worrying about Masuras. You never know what you're going to get. I really did think he played well, apart from that one bit. But anyway, um, we can get back to Thiago Silva. Oh, uh, honestly, we don't we don't have to go back to Thiago well, Silva. But I mean, but I, can I say something real quick? When Costa brought up Ike, I know I'm the king of nostalgia. I thought back immediately. Was it almost six years ago? I think it was when. We went on the road to Awaka against Ike, and it was like their first year coming back up, and we lost one nil. And the league was almost the same at that point, I believe. We were like all up even more, maybe. I remember it so clearly. And then Kasami came out on TVs and and called Ike a small club that they celebrate because they're losing the league by twenty points or something. I don't know. Today, I I. I didn't think of that instantly, but you, you, when you said Ike, I honestly was like, what, what is it about Ike and today that, and it reminded me so much of that game of like, I was so pissed off. I, if you guys remember, Milivojevic got sent off. I think it was Botia got sent off against Aravidis and I was so mad. But then I heard Kasami come out on the TV and he's like, we're going to celebrate the title in two weeks. Blank Ike. Ike is blank, 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 blank. And he got like fined 15,000 euros, I think, for saying all of that. But anyway, just just a random tidbit to, to lighten the spirits. Diplomatic incident. We have a guest here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. But but seriously, it, it, it was almost like deja vu when you said that. Because again, we're up. It, it's a weird feeling because like, I, I, how long has it been since we've lost against Panathinaikos? It's like a foreign feeling. Like it's been either a draw or us winning for 
it's been four or five years. What, we haven't won in uh, in Leoforos. Oh, not in Leoforos. I mean, but Leoforos, we've won once. I think in the last something, some ridiculous stat I read this morning. Something like we haven't won there for like ten years since uh, Olympiacos won in twenty thirteen Leoforos, and that's the only win since two thousand that they've had. That's there. right. That's but right. This was it's worse than it's worse than ten years. It's like a twenty year thing. Right, but this was the first loss that Martins had against Panathinaikos. I thought that's what he, they said on uh, on Nova Sports. Um, yep. But I did want to address the Tiago Silva question that Lambro posited earlier: Is he good enough for Libiakos? And Adoni, I want to ask you as well, more of in terms of what you saw and how you felt seeing him play. I think he has the capacity to be. A, a player at least a squad player for us because his ball control is is quite good and he again today had some had some moments where he had some pretty cheeky dribbles he even had that nice little back heel uh I, I believe that was the second half when he pulled the ball back and kind of back heel past it that was pretty nice and he had a couple other moments where he would get forward and have some interplay the problem for me was it, it wasn't enough you know, he went against in the Panatolikos game, uh, the cup game, he did very well. In the Adi's cup game, I thought he also did pretty well. Again, moving the ball, getting on the ball a lot and really moving the team forward. I just didn't think that in this game, he had that presence. He disappeared at times. It didn't look like he was trying to get the ball and do things with it. And then there were a couple of occasions where he would get the ball and he would do a Cruyff and he would catch the he would catch the defender on his heels or he would catch him off balance. But then instead of taking the space that he just made by doing that move, he just sat there and looking around. And that's the stuff that irritates me because there were a couple of those moments where he would where the dribble would be successful and he would have the space in front of him. You lost the first defender. Go take your space and draw another one to you. Give Hassan or give whoever else there is some 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 space to go because of what you just did. And I didn't see that that forethought. I didn't see that that killer instinct from him. And it it concerns me because if he if that's not the production we're going to get he's only good for us offensively defensively he's tragic i mean when he wins the ball back he rarely actually gets it and then half the time he fouls people so if he's not going to be that producer for us on the ball then what is the point of him what is the point of having him yeah i was going to say i mean obviously i don't i don't know him as, as well as you guys do but today i thought he was he was okay like his skill on the ball, as you were saying, is very good. He, he seems like a good dribbler. He's a good technical player. Uh, but like you were saying, I think his, I guess, IQ, like his his footballing IQ in a way is kind of lacking. With There were some times where he was able to, you know, he could have blown by his defender and he kind of just, like you were saying, just stood there. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess. Uh, for the for the level of Olympiacos right now, I don't think he's a starting player, especially in like a, a big game. Uh, but like you were saying, I think he's a good type of player to have in the squad for rotation against kind of the mid-table teams maybe, you know. But in, in the bigger games, maybe I'd go with somebody else. He's got the goods. He just needs the IQ, I think. Well, it has to be said, he's not on the European list. And I think that definitely factored into why he played 90 minutes today, you know, rotation again. Um, 
I, I we've seen him play well, Anthony, like you said, against like the Ophis of the world and whatnot. And um, I think that's like not to not to like put him down, but you know, somebody somebody has to do that for Olympiacos. You need players like that. You can't roll out Fortunis every single day. You can't roll out Valbuena every single day. You need that depth. Like it can be guys you just don't intend to use in these big games at all. But you know, we kind of have a tough stretch coming up on us here. Um, Adis are a formidable opponent in the cup and we play them in the league next week. And of course, PSV is our number one priority right now. So sometimes he'll have to play in a game like this and sometimes players like that might disappoint and, uh, it is what it is. There's something I noticed that I hadn't before. And that's that he's very one footed. He beat the defenders today, like down the left-hand side and he had like an open cross or a cutback opportunity which he could do with his left, but then he'd cut back and the defender would be back on him. So that's something I noticed today that I hadn't seen with Thiago before. But um, I think, uh, I think Adoni, you're kind of spot on, man. Uh, I think he's, um, he's better than a squad player for me. I think he, he does have skill, vision, low center of gravity. You know, he's pretty, he's pretty nippy on the ball, but, Let's also not forget that he's been at the club very short time, hasn't had many starting opportunities. And okay, you know, get, going into an Olympiacos Panathinaikos game, he doesn't really know what this is about. There are no fans in the stadium for him to understand a little bit more, like, you know, what this game is about. So um, I won't say I give him the benefit of the doubt, but, you know, I don't want to piss all over him either. I actually wanted to to bring this up at some point about the lack of fans because I think that obviously we've said it time and time again, but I think that does have an effect in some way. Like on the one hand, you know, we some players might enjoy not playing in front of fans, um, and on the other hand, I think for guys who have not been in this derby before, who have not been on the team before this season, you kind of don't get it until you walk into Leoforos and just see like everything going on or walk into Karaiskaki and just see like the flares and the noise. And it's like, I mean, for, for these like foreign players, it's probably not like anything they've ever experienced. And I think, you know, like we said at the beginning, the motivation to win the league is not really there because this game doesn't mean anything for the league, but the motivation of this being Panathinaikos is maybe also not as much there because the players don't, you know, they don't see it in the stadium. To be fair, Peter, with, the fans not being in the stadium. Let's be real with the game of happens. We we all remember the last few times we played against Panathinaikos at Leoforos. Alfred Alfred Finnebogus and welcome to Greece, the flare hitting him on the leg or something. And then the last time at Owaka, what was it? The riot police sh shot mustard gas uh, and the game got called. So maybe the fans not being there was actually a good thing because I honestly, it's been a few times against Panathinaikos at Leoforos. Remember, there were riots at one time as well. Anyway, yeah, it may not have literally happened if there there were fans. And I don't know. It, it, it was strange watching Olympiacos back there again because there's so many, I would say, bad memories, but also the memory of Mithroglu scoring, us winning that one season. It was a bit strange. And also with no fans, the... To be fair to them, the what was it, the fireworks show? That was like New Year's Eve level level stuff. Uh, Bako Yanis better call up the ultras of Panathinaikos. Maybe he can take that for next year. Anyway, 
I wanted to kind of change the convo a little bit and kind of speak about more Oleg's defensive ability today because it to me it felt like there wasn't much going on on defensively on our left side or I should say Panathinaikos's right side and at the end of the game Nova Sports put up that graphic Panathinaikos only had three positional attacks and nothing came of any of those positional attacks and I thought Oleg did a great job not just frustrating the attacks that came down that that wing but uh the ice cream man that kept running up what was his name uh Bagoto forgot oh what, and you... and Bagoto yeah Bagoto, <laughs> Bagoto. I, kept call, I kept sounding like the announcer kept saying Bagoto I was like oh the ice cream man is running up and down here but I thought Oleg did very well tracking back and sticking with him and trying and and really doing well to cut out a lot of those opportunities and most of what Bonifinacos did came from the left side and then the middle there were only three positional attacks that came from the right side nothing that resulted in a shot so i thought that warranted some uh, accolades more or less his ability to transition on defense and attack is pretty pretty incredible i mean the amount of times i think we saw him outside the edge of the edge of the Panathinaikos box whipping crosses in and then you know Panathinaikos would try and transition down the right and he'd get back and he would have he would have found uh, he would have got back and taken the ball before the the counter attacks even started and then he's just playing the ball back to the defender starting the build up and then he's bobbing up the wing again to try and find space and get into a good position the amount of times he did that today was you know, incredible but um weakness has been identified it's positioning and marking in the box when we're defending it's not his ability to get back or transition defense it's it's his marking i think in the box is a problem yeah and you know it, it also speaks to like we talked about the first goal but i think the importance of of having a solid back line that as a unit has played a lot of games together is is just so important and that's why I was, I kind of hoped we would see Socrates and Ba today. Um, not necessarily because, you know, I think Semedo did fine. He had that one slip, but that was more the pitch than him. But that's what we're going to have to see on Thursday. And uh, I, I just think for the defense, like there's a reason that, you know, apart from Martins doing the weird rotation with the center backs, like you don't usually see managers change their defenders because having that unit be consistent for 90 minutes and for for multiple games is so important and so i i i acknowledge that that weakness of all like but hopefully he improves in that regard as you know our two center backs that center back pairing whatever it becomes socrates semedo socrates ba you know becomes more solidified whether we see lala sort of slotting it right back eventually or not but no i love oleg he's he plays so hard he doesn't you know doesn't take anything from anyone like he and Molo, the right back, were getting into it, and he was just like, "No, I'm not having that." You know, it was. Um, he's he's. I think he's built for these environments for sure. Yeah, and I loved when um, I think it was Mauricio like it said something to uh, what was it to Masuras, and I, I bet you it was in Portuguese. And Oleg, of course, speaks Portuguese, and went up immediately and defended Masuras because he probably understand what what was going on. Masuras over there, like. What the hell is that? And, but anyway, I, I kind of wanted to move the the discussion to um that pairing that you mentioned, Peter. And 
honestly, just like Hussein Uba, man, what what was going on today? Like with the the hands flying again. I remember Adi, we talked about this when I was critiquing when I thought I how how did I end up saying that? He's just a little awkward, maybe, or something with his challenges sometimes and things like that. In the air, he just throws hands sometimes and got a stupid yellow card. And then he got a, another stupid yellow card on Carlitos and sent off. I, I guess most people are probably going to forget that at the end of the day, but just so stupid, man. Like, can you put down eating a second goal to changing the center defenders in the middle of a game after 60 minutes? I may work against, like, Panatolikos in the cup, but, like, against Panathinaikos, are we really going to change central defenders mid-game? Is that a really a great strategy? I, I don't know. I just think it was because Socrates... We, I, I'm concerned about his fitness. I don't know if he can last a full 90 minutes. And I think that's why he was pulled out. I had thought that maybe they took him out just to rest him for the PSV game. I mean, I, I don't really know what his, his fitness status is like, but I had thought maybe it was a tactical decision for the European match coming up. No, I thought the second goal was a fumble from the keeper. I mean, he, st- he stopped it and then he, you know, rolled away and then it's a tap in. So it was... It was, but I always just feel like changing your central defenders in the middle of a game in a, I really just, I've never been a fan of that. And we, we talked about this on the midweek I, and we talked about, are we, were we going to risk Socrates essentially? Because we were basically saying like, there is no other partnership if he goes down in those 60 minutes. So I was fine with him going off, but I, yeah, just like as soon as he can play 90 minutes, he needs to play 90 minutes because I, I really don't like that switching around of of central defenders. And I really think also, I don't know if you guys noticed this. I don't know if we want to stick on this at the start of the game. I think Semedo was playing right center back and they switched after the first goal, I think. And Socrates went to right center back and then he continued to play that when, when Bob or yeah, they switched again when Bob came in, but I don't know if you guys noticed that. So maybe Semedo's going to swap over to left center back. If this is the partnership of the future. Coincidentally, it looked a little bit more stable after the switch. Or is it a coincidence? Where's the Y Scout data when you need it? I, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who knows? But anything, just just, just something I noticed as well. Worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, yeah, and also the fumble, as you noted, just disappointing a bit from Saw there. I, I guess, what are you gonna do? We we talked about that a little bit a couple of pods ago uh, when we you know we were comparing Saw to. Um, to the Wolves keeper, who's the Portuguese number one. It's this thing about Saar, isn't it? It's just like he's got incredible, incredible ability, reflexes, and like he's he's one of the best keepers we've had in a long time. But he has that eccentricity, you know. It's like every now and again he's going to do something that that will cost the goal, and it's, I think it's just one of those one of those things. Uh, hopefully, the scouts watched the game and thought, ah, you know, he's not reliable, so we can keep him for another few seasons. <laughs> I need to ask, like, maybe I'm just being a bit reactionary, but do you guys think that the Olympiacos defense as a whole, like whether the, the back four, the back four plus Sa, do you think we're starting to become a bit more leaky at the back? Like, I swear, the beginning of the season, like, Ba was was absolutely shutting people down, you know, like winning everything, and and we couldn't complain about him. And, I mean, to be fair to him, he did get coronavirus, like, you know, it's it's hard to say how players recover from that. Everyone recovers differently. Like, we don't know what's going on. But since he's come back, like, it has to be said, there was the penalty that he gave away against Volos. 
when Duvikas came in and ran behind him, there was the own goal uh, against Aris. And then, like, obviously, uh, it ended up being so late that it didn't really have a huge effect, but getting sent off today. And, you know, Semedo has always had his issues. Cisse had had his issues. We let him go. Socrates comes in. He's still getting used to things. You know, he hasn't been perfect. And Andruzos is not a top defender either, of course, and he's pretty much our best option at right back. I don't know. What do people think? Like, are you concerned with, with the defense? Like, I don't know. I, I'm a bit concerned, but maybe Socrates gets form. Maybe Lala gets form. Semedo is in Socrates' partner up, and it's not a big deal. But it's just something that I kind of creeped in the back of my mind watching this game. It's a lot of changes at the back. Okay, we we talked about the two fullbacks leaving. And uh, it's it's never it, it can't ever be the same as what it was before that. I mean, Rebchuk has to has to gel. He's I think he's transitioned into the team seamlessly. But we saw Lala, for example, in the cup the other day. He's I think he's going to need a lot more time than than Oleg did to to really fit into the team and the way that we play to understand. Uh, how we play, how we attack. But, you know, for the central defensive partnership as well, I think like you you alluded already, after after he suffered corona, when Barr came back, he, he seemed shaky and then kind of grew into it more and started reminding us of the player that he was last season. But all in all, I think this is just a consequence of a lot of changes at the back and... And I think in in the end, for me, the team is building up for for the European campaign next season. That's also a reason that Socrates was brought in now, because we're going to be playing from the second round qualifiers, I think, in, in the Champions League, if all goes well and things end the way the way we think they will in the league and we'll be playing Champions League. I think that's also a reason why a lot of you know, new recruits were brought into defense now. So we have to take it on the chin, but I, I, I am a little bit worried about the PSV game going into that. And, you know, there's a question mark as well for me on the right-hand side, whether, you know, you go into that with Andrutos at home, probably better than going into a game like that away from home, even without fans for some reason. But yeah, the, the defense has definitely been a bit shaky the last couple of games. So if you include the goals that Panathinaikos scored today, we've conceded 10 goals in the Super League this season. Only 10. We lead the league in terms of, well, I guess goals conceded as we've conceded the least number of goals. Now, two of those were Tzolakis. So Jose Sa has only conceded eight goals this season. To today... And then if we look at the goals after the restart, one from the Pauk game, one from Panetolikos. Oh, actually, no, I think Tolaki started that game, so I won't count that. Um, one from Larissa, Ike. Or no, Ike was before. Ike was before, yeah. So we've only conceded since the break, including the goals today, five goals. So you could say that, okay, Jose Sa has eaten four goals now, and then he also allowed four goals in 
last seat or in the first half of the season. It, it's, it's, it's tough. I don't, I don't think the defense is any worse than it was. I will say this though. I'm still concerned with Adruzos. I don't think he's super sure fired defensively. That's my one concern at the very least. For what it's worth. And, and just to play devil's advocate, obviously it's all situational, but last season, um, at, at the point when the league broke up into two. So with four extra games, we conceded nine goals in that entire time. Um, but, you know, obviously different team. I think that team, like we can all agree, was was just top uh, up, and, up and down through the team. Like, you know, didn't concede any goals. But maybe we have to temper our expectations a little bit. Maybe I'm just being worried over nothing, uh, Adi, but, you know. Just I, I was just kind of thinking like I feel like a lot of the goals we concede are like preventable in some way, but maybe that's just uh, some sort of bias. Maybe all goals are preventable in some way. I don't know. And I I don't want to go on to PSV preview, but I, I want to say one thing, and I I got onto this real early on the start with Hassan, but I want to see Hugo Kuipers from here on on as a second striker. I'm done with Hassan. I don't care about the goals. And I don't care about the tap-ins because Hugo Kuypers is a 23-year-old and has it for me. From here on forth, I in Europe, Hassan can come on. He can score a header. He can get in there for set pieces. But in Greece, I want to see Hugo Kuypers. I'm just done with Hassan. I know you guys probably are fine with Hassan being the second striker, but I'm just done with the guy. I've lost faith in him. Big discussion. Big discussion. Because we've got... A 34-going 35-year-old striker, star striker next year, who's probably still going to be top scorer in the Greek league next season. Not going to be as good if we get to the group stages of the Champions League. We all know that. As good as LRB is at that age, probably not going to be able to cut it. I don't know. We've been proven wrong before. Huh? Remember Sinisa Gokic? I think he was 35 the season that we got to the quarterfinals. So, I mean... LRB is a killer, and it was great that we renewed his contract. I don't know how long Hassan's got on his contract or if uh, Mendes is going to be able to sell him in the summer, but we need a fast striker, you know, somebody with a bit of pace that can get in behind the defence. But it's not easy to attract that kind of striker to come and play in Greece. Let's face it, unless you've got a hell of a, you know, kick-ass scouting team you know we we've tried to we we've tried in argentina we've tried in brazil uh, but those players cost money we've got to pay good money to get that kind of striker and and convince him to come and play in greece uh, and i don't i don't think that we we have that capacity unfortunately but i i take your point labro yeah i mean hassan has his limits and we don't unfortunately we don't have that that kind of profile striker that I was talking about. But I think that's what we what we need. Kuypers has those qualities, those traits. He has some pace. He's got a good touch. I'd like to see him play more, but I don't know, guys. Is that, is that realistic with Martins? Well, he might get time in against the bad teams. You know, I, I imagine we'll... I, we know Martins likes 4-4-2. I kind of imagine we see more of Kuypers plus someone else 4-4-2 against the bad teams. But at the end of the day a player can do well against the bad teams and we don't know if he's going to do it when it really matters. Antonio, I kind of wonder what you think as well. Like, like Olympiacos, from what you've seen, the striker situation, El Arabi is aging. Hassan is potentially not good enough. Kuypers is, is a question mark. Like, 
what do, what do you see as the solution? I mean, we were linked with Binakas as well. Like, I don't know if he's ready to come in and be the starting striker of Olympiacos like anytime soon, but I wonder what you think about like the whole situation and what, what the club m- might or should do. Uh, yeah, I mean, like Costa was saying, you know, El Arabi is going to be like 35 years old. So for a European campaign, usually at that age, you know, it's, it's really high level. Who knows if he can keep up both Super League. I mean, you mentioned Pinacas, and I think Pinacas would be a good addition to the team, especially for like Super League. He's, I mean, you know, at IL, the, the expectations are a little bit different. Uh, at Olympiacos, obviously, you always want to win a title. So, uh, I mean, that would be a good signing. I, I kind of agree with Lambro with with. Hassan, I don't think he's that like good. And maybe, maybe for like the other teams, but in big games, I don't know his stats exactly. But I don't think he really shows up in those games that matter. I mean, Olympiacos is usually pretty consistent throughout the whole season, anyway. Uh, but I, I try to look at some some player from the Super League, maybe just to try to win the title. But for for Europe, uh, I mean, I, I really don't know what they'd have to do. They'd have to scout and find somebody, I guess. An El Arabi style player. I just have one more thing to chip in on this whole Hassan discussion because I think ultimately starting Hassan today, there was logic because he's coming off a rich vein of form. He scored, I think, three or four goals in two, three games. I mean, he his stats are good. Uh, if you look at appearances and, and goals ratio, his stats are good this season, but um in the end i think it made sense to start him and to have el arabi fresh for the for the game in the europa league but but yeah we we saw he's he's good as a second striker he's good to bring on and whip more crosses in but yeah that's that's it well and this is another great opportunity adoni what what did you think when you were watching the egyptians latan did you understand maybe some of our frustrations with him? I, I know Steven jokes about him being like the best, worst player he's ever seen. The guy is tragic with pass and move. I mean, he will play 90 minutes and complete maybe two or three passes. But what, what did you see when you watched this man just misplace every one touch that he tried today and I think really the only good thing I saw was maybe that nutmeg, that nutmeg the, that he had, and then uh, possibly could have been a, a penalty. But uh, what did you think about Hassan today? Did he? Did you ever feel really threatened by him, except for that little uh, that little chip that he missed, that little tap in uh, that he just missed wide? What did you think about him? Yeah, uh, funny that you mentioned that. Yeah, I would say th- probably the the moment that he gave me kind of a panic was that uh, potential uh, penalty moment where he nutmegged uh, Bart. Uh, but yeah, other than that, every time he got the ball, he was doing some type of stupid pass and Bart would just, you know, think it out. And I was like, okay, just keep giving the ball to Hassan because I was like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and and that little, that dink that he he barely missed, that was probably the only other time that he scared me. But yeah, I mean, He's, I guess, like Steven says, the best worst player in Olympiacos, I guess, in terms of striker. Adoni, what do you think of Cabezis? I ask because, uh, just for background to the listeners, he was a hot prospect of the Olympiacos Youth Academy. There's a whole backstory that um, 
they offered him a new contract to to stay with the club and he rejected it because he wanted playing time. And then Dortmund came calling. They took him on and he played with their, I think, their under-19 squad in Germany. Uh, then eventually ran out of contract. That was Jurgen Klopp's Dortmund team at the time. He ran out of contracts and and I think that's that's how he ended up back in back in Greece. And he's been with Panathinaikos now maybe two, three seasons and starting to get some playing time now under under Bologna. So yeah, just wondering your your thoughts on him. Uh yeah, Kabidzis, uh honestly, you know, me and uh, Apostolos and uh and Nikos on Elas Footy, we've all been saying that Kabidzis uh, is a pretty good player. Uh, Bologna's been playing him on the left a lot lately, and I kind of don't like that. Uh, he's, in my opinion, he's better as a striker because he's always getting himself into a, a good position when he's playing centrally. Uh, he's got good dribbling, good ball control, and all that. I just think he needs to work on his passing a bit, and he's not that quick. You know, uh, an article came out earlier in the week, and he was saying that Bologna picks him because of his pace and uh, because of his strength, but. I don't really see the pace aspect of him, but uh, I, I think he's a good player. I think if he keeps it up at Panathinaikos, he might even get a call-up for the national team, like Alexandropoulos will. Um, but yeah, overall, I really rate the guy. I think I think he'll be good for Panathinaikos, especially as a striker. Well, it's that time of the podcast, folks. It's time to do the the Gate 7 international tradition. Man of the match, coach is great. It's always a bit weird doing man of the match when we lose. And uh, I'll, I'll just get, get us started. I think for men of the match, assuming I have to pick an Olympiacos player, I guess I'll say Oleg. Uh, I, just, I just liked how he played. You know, there weren't really that many great performances. You could argue Fortunis while he was on uh, was really important and did a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, nobody really stands out. I mean, you could say some of the changes played well, but at the end of the day, that's that's 30 minutes of football. I usually don't give man of the match to someone who didn't play the whole game. Coach's grade. Uh, this is a tricky one, actually, for me, because we have to uh, we have to incorporate the fact that Martins is looking past this game, which is not a bad thing. So I'm actually not going to be super harsh on him. The one thing I might have wanted to see would be potentially Socrates and Ba for 90 minutes if possible, or at least for more than 30 minutes just to get some time for him. But I don't know. Um, maybe that's unrealistic given Socrates' fitness concerns. I'll say maybe B plus for Martins. Maybe a couple things he could have done better with with timing the changes and, and uh, who to put on. And I had a couple questions about the starting lineup as well. So I'll say B plus for Martins, Oleg man of the match. I guess shall I go then? I guess uh, man of the match. I'm gonna go with um, Jan and I miss you so much. Please be healthy for Thursday. I just have to say it. What a king. We miss you so much, Jan. Like we do not lose that game with Jan <laughs> in the midfields. God damn it! <laughs> you knew it was coming. I miss him so. God, he's so good. He's so good. Jan, if you're listening better quick anyway uh man of the match for me i uh, difficult um honestly i really I, it's it's bad but kuipers i loved when he came on i thought he played really well i could go on for him but again oleg i think was just the the best player on the pitch for 90 minutes for for our side at least um and coach is great uh, just what can i say tiago silva's 
it, but the, but it's so difficult because I'm, I'm not sure what mentality he was in with all this Europa League game coming up. It's really difficult to judge, but just simply if we're looking from a tactical basis, I didn't love that Thiago Silva stayed up on the field. I would have taken him off at the 45-minute point. I didn't like that Fortunis came off, so I'm just going to go D+. plus. I guess just unhappy, but I understand. My God. <laughs> My goodness. What? <laughs> Uh, I just, I just, I've just seen Adi's Adi. Just, uh, I just saw your reaction. Just like that was a hot take if say? I ever heard one. <laughs> what hot take? I don't know. I Adi, guess what I would, would you, what would you give Martins? Uh, definitely not a D plus. He did better than that. A D plus is like he got nothing right. Absolutely nothing. That would be an F. That would be an F, Adi. Show some respect to uh, the American creating Okay, system, so please. a D-plus is like one. He got one thing right, and he got way more right than that. Adjusting adjusting the center backs, switching the center backs, switching the wingers, and then you can't say that his adjustments didn't have impact because I don't even mentioned earlier, even though we wouldn't have made that substitution at halftime, exact like starting the second half with a Valbuena substitution, it had some kind of impact because Valbuena got into the game and we were possessing more and, and getting the ball forward. So we can't say it didn't have impact. Even the substitutions after that. Okay. Yeah. We wanted Tiago Silva to come off. But there's a reason why he stayed on. The one thing, and this is why I won't give him an A, is that he kept Hassan on too long. Another thing that irritated me about Hassan, which we forgot to mention, was the opportunity when I think it was El Arabi got his head up and he went to head it. And, and the ball didn't move. Behind. Exactly. Kuiper and even Sudani, sorry to see him leave, but... Either one of those guys run through the ball, regardless of whether El Arabi makes contact. Hassan stopped, and had he kept running, he gets an opportunity a foot in front of goal. Another thing that irritated me, but that's besides the point. So that would be my one knock, is that El Arabi, or sorry, Hassan should have come off earlier. But other than that, we were looking to Wednesday. You know, I keep saying Wednesday. It's Thursday. We were, were looking to Thursday. We're looking at the PSV game. So all in all, Martins is going to get a B-plus from me. And my man of the match, uh, Madi is going to be runner-up because on and off the ball, Madi was everywhere. Poor guy was slipping all over the place, but getting back, saving us from a couple of counters. But in the end, he'll be my runner-up, but I'm going to give the man of the match to El Arabi. Gets the goal. Made his presence known in there. Uh, and that's that's gonna be my main match. Panathinaikos burner accounts on Twitter are like gonna be celebrating now that Adi said Wednesday again. Like you don't know football, you don't even know what day your team is playing on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're gonna. You're, you're not gonna hear the end of that one, mate. You're. It's gonna be rough for you. Anyway, Costa, man of the match, coach's grade. That's. Let, let's start with a coach. I give him a B, or B minus. I think everything's been said already. Uh, priority was given to the PSV game. And it is what it is. I also think he kept Hassan in the game for too long and I would have thrown Kuypers in earlier. And, you know, with, with Thiago, it's hard to say. It's like, okay, if you take Thiago off, then who do you put on? Because um, we don't have much depth in, in midfield. And, yeah, he's not listed for for the European game. So, okay, we, we kept him in. And I, I honestly don't think he was really that, that bad. 
but then man of the match is really hard it's one of those crappy things right i mean when i play amateur football and we lose the game it's like at the end we don't do man of the match it's like why we lost it's nothing to talk about i think i mean oleg oleg had a really good game and i would probably agree with you peter if it, if it weren't for the first goal and he was caught in no man's land and i'm being picky there but then uh, i thought bukalagis had a good game uh, I got very, very frustrated with him. Uh, I think it was around the 80th minute when we were pressing for the goal and he he got on, on the end of a Valbuena pass and he was he had time to pick someone out and put in a ball for a tap-in and he just passed the ball straight to the Udis and I thought, just, you know, that, that pissed me off. Um, Kamara, we expect it now. So, like, we hold him to such a high standard that when when he doesn't play an excellent game you just think he's crap you know it's, that's the thing with maddie now but I, I really i can't pick i can't pick him out of the match when we lose i can't honestly well in that spirit Anthony, uh, i'm I, I i figure you'll probably want to pick a panathinaikos man of the match and give bologna grade instead uh so i'll, I'll let you take that route because i'm sure you know, you want to highlight some players that you thought played well. Yeah, uh, man of the match for me, because he got a goal and an assist, is probably Sankari. And, uh, you know, I was very harsh on him the past, uh, you know, couple of weeks, especially when you signed him. I was saying, you know, who's this guy? But the past couple of games, he's really done done well. He picked it up. Uh, maybe, you know, behind him, I would have Mauricio or, or Bart uh, because they really helped clean things up, uh, really helped neutralize some threats from Olympiacos. Um, and overall, the team just played played very well. They played the way that I was expecting them to. And with Bologna, I'm going to give him uh, an A minus. A minus just for the one mistake that I think he made is he waited a little too long to make substitutions. I think, uh, and I think he should have taken out Mauricio towards the end uh, instead of bringing on Aitor because Mauricio was just clearly gassed. I mean, he he gave it everything. Uh, but yeah, overall, A minus for Bologna. Man of the match for me, Sankari, goal and assist. And the win. Well, and I say this in the least arrogant way possible, but it's going to be a very exciting race for second in the rest of the Greek Super League season. And uh, Panathinaikos have announced today that they intend to really compete for that second spot. And they intend to reclaim uh, the the prowess in Europe that they've had. And, and it's an interesting game for the Super League. It should be an exciting season. Hot take from me. They're going to get second. I mean, look at look, guys. I mean, we have Bug fans that are putting Panathinaikos flags on their Twitter profiles. I mean, so. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. Shout oh, out to Chuck. But also, we do we. Chuck. Social media is a I I I gotta say, people came out of like the gutters, the freaking trees. I don't know, and were tagging us, and like these clowns don't know football. They've no where did these people come from? Like they, they've never even, I've never even seen them before. And like, I don't know. And we're, we're, we're copping abuse on social media, which is fine, but just craziness. I'd never, I, even with like Pauk and Ike, whatever, that's never happened. I guess the Derby is still alive and well for, for, for some people. So yeah. We're doing hey, the we right can. things. We're yep. doing the right things. <laughs> Also, I love that it's funny. They were like, one guy said, like, you guys just started watching football two years ago. And it's like, what? 
what is it calling me out i well i started to be fair i started watching football like four years ago probably no, but I, I it was but like everyone else on the podcast has been like like bringing up random alberto Bocia, oh, that's like 2013 that's, that's me that's me that's me i <laughs> <laughs> had a good throwback throwback at least today at least i'm that's not true. the only one i i, I had a good yeah one, no it's but... true but I, I just enjoy. I, I don't know. This is our first time getting the serious troll from like a bunch of fans, and it, it, it's been kind of fun. I, I think I deserve a little bit at least for for. What I I'll tell you what. Some of the trolls, you could tell they've been listening to the podcast, and we make like one cent per listen off the anchor ads. So. <laughs> money in our pocket. Keep interacting with us. Gate Seven Intl Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, Apple reviews. Leave us a review. All pu- all publicity is good publicity. That's that's the saying. So keep it coming. Thank you for the interaction. I'm surprised that we haven't had this level of trolling from any Balk fans. The amount of stuff that Lambro says, especially about Balk, like this is what I have always expected when some result goes against us, uh, against Balk or we play Balk or something. Like it would come from them, but no. Like, I'll be honest, like, we, we haven't really trolled about Panathinaikos very much on this podcast. Hardly at all. Maybe just with Adani, I think. That's pretty much, that's pretty much it. But, man, came out of the woodwork. That's good, though. You know, we, we give it, so we have, to, you got, we have to take it. You take it on the cheek and you move on. I have to say, all my all my Danny Poyatos comments are coming out. You know, I deserve <laughs> it. I'm sorry, Danny Zavi Roca. You signed the best players. Yeah, I'm sorry. Now. <laughs> can I just say, can I just say, like, uh, it might seem strange to some of you that Olympiacos fan is talking positive about Banathanaikos, but I'm going to say it. I like the fact that they have young Greek players getting opportunity to play. And um, I'm not going to wish them the best. Sorry, I'm not going to go that far. But but I do like the fact that we have some that we actually seeing some Greek players playing for Panathinaikos, and players like Alexandropoulos. They I think they have an exciting future um, in the national team, and uh, and I've always said it before Panathinaikos, whether they're second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever in the league, it's always the team we want to beat. And uh, Bauk, I, I I can't see you. Where, where are you guys? You know, Costa, I I don't disagree with you. And we've talked about it from a, a more like, you know, logical standpoint as well with the coefficient. Like we know Panathinaikos, if they get the opportunity in Europe, that they can do it. And so, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of hope that you know they they rise back into prominence. The Derby becomes what it once was. You know, amazing. It's always a toss up, you know, with these rivalry games. But you know, it, it it's it's a bit more fun when it means more and you win that big game. You know, and in you know, you take that step to the top of the league, of course. If we won today and, like, oh, yeah, we go 20 points clear, yippee. Uh, you know, it means a lot less for us now. So, uh, Antoni, as as we bid you adieu here, uh, listeners, if you want to follow Antoni, I believe it's at Pyrrhus7019 on Twitter. Listen to him as well on the Elas Footy podcast, uh, which you can catch weekly. And uh, you've got a whole bunch of different Greek team fans there. So whatever team you support, you'll enjoy the LS Footy pod. Antoni, any last words, any parting shots before we uh, we wrap this one up? 
I just want to shout out my fellow Panathinaikos fans, Nikos, Apostolos, Andreas. Uh, and yeah, it was just nice getting the win. That's all I got to say. <laughs> it was a hell of a game. And uh, I'm sure we will we'll play twice more in the uh, championship group. And potentially we'll see Panathinaikos in the cup as well, depending on how that rolls out. So there will be many more opportunities for Olympiakos to get their revenge. Uh, that's all I'm going to say there. But anyway, thank you everybody for listening, uh, especially if you've made it this far. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Continue to interact with us on social media, Gate7INTL. I know I said it already, but I'll say it again. We will be responding to all trolls. So if you want to get a, a troll comment in, we'll put you in your place. We'll remind you that Olympiakos are winning the league and that we are doing things in Europe. And so we'll just, we'll just give you that gentle reminder if you'd like to troll us. Um, thank you again for listening. And we will be back for PSV pregame, big European match. So until then, enjoy the rest of your week and we will see you very soon. Enjoy your couches. <laughs>